The AMA Research Challenge is the largest national, multi-specialty research event for medical students and residents. Hello, I'm Shams Sheikh, co-winner of the 2020 AMA Research Challenge with Victoria Dannon. Today's interview features one of this year's five finalists for the 2021 AMA Research Challenge, interviewed by AMA senior news writer, Brendan Murphy. Hello, I'm Brendan Murphy, a senior writer for AMA News, focusing on issues related to medical students and residents, and I am delighted to have Dr. Anastasia Pearsa with me. She is a finalist for the 2021 AMA Research Challenge. Thank you for joining us, Anastasia. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Could you give us an introduction to yourself and your background? Sure. So I am Anastasia Pearsa. I am currently a first-year resident at Mass General Hospital in anesthesiology, and I went to medical school at the University of Chicago, Pritzker School of Medicine. Thank you so much for joining us today, Anastasia. And we are here to talk about your poster presentation, one of the five finalists for the 2021 AMA Research Challenge. And you're focusing on the issue of socioeconomic diversity in medical students. Why is that issue important for the health of the nation and why did it appeal to you as a topic for your poster presentation? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think that, um, well, first of all, I think we can all agree that diversity is a great thing and diversity in medicine in particular, and it can really help us provide better, higher quality healthcare to our increasingly diverse patient population. Um, and socioeconomic status is a component, an aspect of diversity that is not often talked about uh, with regards to medical education. Uh, and there's little research that exists on it. And from the research that we do have on the topic, we know that um, there's not a lot of um, medical students of low socioeconomic status that enter medical school. And those that do enter medical school, even at similar AMCAT scores and similar kind of rates, they uh, face higher rates of attrition. And so as someone who is from low income, background myself, um, me and a couple of other medical students at uh, the University of Chicago, we got really interested in this topic and we really wanted to um, understand what the experiences are and try to see what we can do to help improve this um, issue and increase socioeconomic diversity. And for us, you know, the first step towards improving something is to really understand the lay of the land. And because there wasn't much research on this topic and kind of how um, the experiences of med students from low SCS can differ uh, from those of higher socioeconomic status, we wanted to conduct this, this research study. So you did the research and we'll get into that in a minute, but you also mentioned that your background did not necessarily mirror some of your peers as medical students. How did that anecdotal experience reflect your interest in this topic and what was your experience? Sure. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. I think this study mainly came out of kind of conversations that me and other medical students of low income backgrounds at my medical school were having um, as part of our uh, first generation and low income um, interest group. So we were all kind of talking about how when we first entered medical school, we felt a little bit like outsiders. I haven't had physicians in my family or anyone in my family that could really coach me through getting into medical school and how to succeed in medical school. Um, I don't think I, I related to faculty in the same way that some of my peers did. And even things like hobbies um, were a little bit different for me and for some of my classmates who shared my background. So having all of these conversations about the fact that even beyond the financial um, issues and kind of the financial differences. There were also some other more social differences uh, between um, 
those who come from low-income backgrounds and those that don't. That's really interesting. And on your poster, you talk about how, and we've seen how, a commitment to racial and ethnic diversity has been an important part in remaking the medical student body, but there hasn't necessarily been the same commitment to socioeconomic diversity. Why is that? That's a great question. I think a big part of it is that it's really hard to pin the the definition down. And that's actually something that we explored in our research. Um, You know, there isn't one universally accepted definition of low SES. I know that AAMC um, has an employment occupation um, flag that flags someone as socioeconomically disadvantaged on their medical school application. There's also a couple of other ways to define both socioeconomic status. Uh, for example, looking at parental income or looking at um, students, their own kind of experiences and how they define themselves. Um, and we actually looked at those three different ways to define socioeconomic status, and we found that they're not correlated very well. And so I think that the first step to increasing diversity in a given area is to be able to identify what diversity is. And I think with socioeconomic status, even that is a little bit challenging. And I think that's a big part of, of the issue. Can you highlight how you went about your research and some of the key findings? Sure. So this was a multi-center survey study. So we invited 22 medical schools to participate and 14 of them agreed to administer our survey to uh, their student bodies. Uh, We developed a survey instrument that was pretty comprehensive and we developed it with an input from um, various medical students of different backgrounds to really make sure that we were asking all the right questions. So the questions we asked were both Likert questions, um, as well as some qualitative questions and some more validated standardized tools um, questions. So including, you know, a burnout tool, loneliness scale, those types of things. Um, And then we administered that survey. We um, and then we looked at the differences in in responses between low um, socioeconomic status or SES or high um, SES medical students. And we made sure to adjust for confounders in our models, um, you know, including demographics, which are obviously a very important, you know, race, ethnicity are obviously very important confounders for socioeconomic status. Um, And we found a number of significant results even after adjusting for those confounders. So um, what we were looking at was about 1,500 students. Um, So that's about 23% response rate. Of those, about 30% uh, were defined as low SES, the way we defined it in a very comprehensive way. We used three different um, socioeconomic status indicators that were previously researched and kind of of combined them together to get a more comprehensive way to screen those who might be low socioeconomic status. Um, And we found that uh, obviously low socioeconomic status students, not surprisingly, reported that they had a lot more financial strains than their higher CS peers. They were significantly less likely to report being confident about affording educational resources and also basic resources such as food and shelter, which was a little bit concerning. Um, And then from a social perspective, low socioeconomic students were less likely to feel connected to their community, less likely to be comfortable sharing their experiences with their peers um, and those, those types of things. And then we also found that low socioeconomic um, status students were more likely to be burned out um, as defined by a standardized uh, goal standard uh, burnout tool. And they also scored higher on loneliness scales. And we also got a fair number of qualitative results that really kind of mirrored and uh, 
uh, further validated some of our quantitative findings. So overall, there was a lot of significant results that really um, confirmed some of the things that me and some of my co-authors um, suspected just based on our subjective experiences. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. I'd be curious, what recommendations do you have for supporting students from lower socioeconomic statuses, and what can be gone done to admit more of them to med school moving forward? That's a great question. I think there's two components to this, right? So there's the component around how do we create a pipeline where we admit more students who are of um, low socioeconomic status background, and then there's the other side of how do we retain those that are already admitted and how do we make sure that we allow them to develop to their highest potential. And I think the pipeline part we didn't address quite as much because we were obviously serving those who are already in medical school. Um, although we did some get some qualitative questions that um, or qualitative answers that did get to, to some of that pipeline issue saying that it was incredibly hard for those students to even get to medical school and that they felt like was harder for them to get those experiences that were needed um, to be a successful pre-med and to be able to get in. So I think from the, from the pipeline perspective, more research is needed, but from the little that we could tell from our research would be really trying to decrease the financial barriers um, in terms of you know, cost of applications, cost of applying for the MCAT, those types of things, as well as trying to make it easier to get experiences that are needed to be a successful medical school applicant. So for example, things like shadowing can be really easy for someone who has a lot of um, uh, healthcare professionals in their families. But for someone like me, who does not have any healthcare professionals in my family, it was incredibly challenging for me to find shadowing experiences because no one would want me to, to come and shadow them because they didn't know me. Um, so that's the pipeline, kind of how do we attract more and how do we um, admit more low socioeconomic status students. And then in terms of kind of retaining them and making sure that they are successful, I think there's the financial support piece. So providing financial support, not only for room and board, but also for educational experiences, for some of the social experiences to address some of that loneliness aspect that I talked about and some of that lack of connection. Um, and just, I think, raising awareness of uh, of the socioeconomic status as an aspect of diversity, creating student groups, um, organizing events that are targeted towards, um, towards that, I think would be important. Another um, thing that we found in our study that I, we, I didn't mention in the poster was that we asked students, and are you aware of, of a student group on campus that focuses on socioeconomic status? Do you know that your medical school does your medical school have any events that are targeted towards low socioeconomic status? And most students did not know. Um, it was, I think it was something like upwards of 60% of students had no idea uh, whether anything like this was happening on their campuses. So I think that's something that could really be um, improved. 
Um, and hopefully our study is a good first step to providing some of that, some of those evidence-based recommendations so we can um, move things forward. I realize you have since transitioned from medical school to residency, so you are busy, but I'm curious <laughs> if you have any plans to expand the scope of your research going forward. Yeah, I think, so first of all, the low-income student group that I was part of that the study was born out of in medical school is alive and well, and there's a lot of active members. Um, so, and there, I think, are potentially interested in continuing to work on this. So that's really encouraging. And I personally, I would love to work on it um, and kind of, you know, potentially maybe do research more on residents or kind of try to look more into the pipeline of um, socioeconomic diversity. But I don't have any firm plans yet as of now, because like you said, I, I just started my intern year. So I've been kind of trying to settle into this new role first. We've covered your research in a good amount of depth. I think our listeners would be interested to know about your personal journey. How'd you get interested in medicine and where do you see yourself heading in medicine? Yeah, I became interested in medicine. I think it's a pretty typical story. Um, I have a fair number of chronic diseases in my family. And so I got exposed to kind of the impact that some of my family doctors had um, on their lives. And I was, you know, I was wanted to be that person for someone else. And I also always liked, you know, sciences and was curious to understand kind of the why behind things and why they happen. And so I thought that medicine was a great combination of, you know, trying to understand the biology um, and the physiology and also while also making you know, tangible impact in people's lives. I mean, as far as uh, where I'm headed, <laughs> I am still working on that. So I am an anesthesiology resident. I am potentially interested in critical care. Um, I think that globally speaking, I would probably like to stay in academia and um, uh, work in an academic environment where I could um, work as a clinician, but also teach and do research. But I am still figuring a lot of the details of that out. Last question, and this is a fun yeah. one. Yeah. There is a $10,000 grand prize sponsored by Laurel <laughs> Road for the winner of the research challenge. How do you plan on spending it if you're the winner? Oh, that's a great question. I haven't given a lot of thought to it, honestly. I think, well, first of all, because this study was um, started as a as a, you know, a, a group project between me and a lot of other medical students, a lot of whom are still in school, I think we would all share the money and we would probably set, um, set aside um, a portion of that towards our first generation low income um, student group that I was a part of in medical school that um, was really helpful to me. Um, and then so we would split the money. Um, and then with my share, I don't know what I would do really. I think I would probably do something boring, like pay off a little bit of my student loans and maybe get a new laptop. Well, that sounds very generous of you to share with <laughs> your, uh, your classmates and I'm sure they'd appreciate it. And now yeah. they have a reason to watch when this airs on YouTube on December 8th. Anastasia is one of five finalists for the 2021 AMA Research Challenge. You can listen to other podcasts in this series to hear interviews with other finalists. And as I said, you can tune into the event on December 8th. Thank you so much for joining us, Anastasia. Thank you so much for having me. Join us on December 8th at 7 p.m. Central Time to see all five finalists present their research to an elite panel of judges. The overall winner will receive a $10,000 grand prize sponsored by Laurel Road. For full details, visit ama-assn.org 
slash research 2021.